Right. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Sunday night service. Amen. Who's glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. All right. Who was with us this morning? Yeah, we had a good time this morning talking about living intentionally. And, uh, and we know that we are not successful by accident. It's on purpose as we do things God's way. Amen. Well, can we go ahead and stand up together tonight? We are going to open up just like we always do by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And we absolutely believe that we are going to see America come to Jesus. Amen. And, you know, someone would say, well, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, hey, we walk by faith, not by sight. So we are going to see this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's go ahead and speak these words of faith together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise tonight. Hallelujah. You may be seated. All right. Well, very good. 
So let's see here. We got some announcements to go over and it is entering into the busy time of year. It's always like as soon as things just really start rolling quickly. Of course, we got Harvest Fest coming up in October, which is our big event of the whole year. And so, uh, you know, stay in the loop on with some more contractors this week to work on getting the repairs made here. And so, amen, just keep uh, keep believing with us that that's going to go quickly and smoothly. We want things back together as quick as we can. And we are looking forward to wonderful new remodeled bathrooms, though. Amen. We're thankful for the porta-potties. You know, don't get me wrong, but I want bathrooms again. Amen. So thank you, Jesus, for that. Amen. Um, now, on a serious note, um, we told you this morning that the funeral for our uh, wonderful brother, Patrick Gural is going to be Tuesday at 11 a.m. Now, Patrick was a member here for uh, the last several years, and uh, he's a quiet man, so maybe you didn't know him quite so well, but he loved the Lord, loved praising the Lord with us, and uh, he, he moved to heaven uh, two Sundays ago, two weeks ago. Um, so... The funeral is going to be 11 a.m. on Tuesday. I encourage any of the church family that could be here to show some love and support. We would really appreciate that. Uh, his wife had just moved here from the Philippines uh, back in about February. So we really want to surround her and protect her and help her out the best that we can. I mean, I just, you know, really, my heart really goes out to her. And we want to do the best uh, that we can do to be there for her uh, with Patrick being gone now. Okay. So anyway, thank you for that. That's Tuesday at 11. Uh, a few other announcements here. The September devotion is available back there at the info booth if you want a printed copy. Amen. And also, you can go online to the uh, to the website, hdwc.org, or go to the Facebook page, and it'll all be on there also. And uh, make sure you follow along, man. That's been a great, great Bible study all year long, but especially over the summer months. Uh, I want to remind you that there's no men's meeting in September due to Labor Day weekend. And there's also going to be no Sunday night service next week. So remember that, everybody, if you're one of the, you know, mainly if Sunday night's your main service, uh, there will be no Sunday night service next weekend uh, due to the Labor Day weekend. Um, Ron and Annette Thiesen, our missionaries to Peru and Honduras, will be here this coming Sunday. Amen. Yes. And so they do uh, some wonderful work down in Peru, and also they run a complete school in Honduras, and uh, they do a lot. They're very busy people down there, but uh, they're going to be here Sunday giving us an update on all the good news going on down there and also preaching to us, so don't miss out. This coming Sunday, Ron and Annette are going to be with us, all right? And then the women's meeting fall kickoff is Friday, September 9th. Ladies, are we excited? I, be, I, I don't believe you. Are we excited, ladies? Okay. All right, we're getting there. So that'll be uh, September 9th at 6.30, having a salad night. Am I right? Okay. The church is providing the greens. You provide the extra stuff. Notice, I can, I've been to men's meetings for 15 years. Never once have we bribed the men with a salad. Ever. We're always like, it's going to be the greasiest, most bacony thing you've ever seen in your life. And men show up by the hordes. We love that stuff. But anyway, you know, I, I think of it this way. God didn't put me at the top of the food chain to eat grass. You know what I'm saying? So, all right, I'm going to move forward. My bad, my bad, my bad. Eat some salad. Salad's good for you. That's good for you. Hallelujah. 
Praise God. My wife's not here, but if she's watching online, she probably heard that. Okay. Um, we've got some uh, fundraisers for Harvest Fest coming up. So just I'll have them be announcing these all the time. But a really big one is uh, Buck and Good Pizza is going to be donating a portion of all their profits September 4th, 5th, and 6th. Okay. And so if you want pizza those nights, get it from there. If you don't want pizza those nights, get it from there. Get pizza those nights, and it's going to be absolutely really important. Yes. And so you got look him up on Facebook, but he's actually my next-door neighbor, uh, and he runs a pizza truck. He goes to church here, too, but he runs a pizza truck out of his driveway. And so if you can find it, then you know where my house is. Don't come knocking late because I'll be in bed, all right? So there you go. Uh, praise God for that. And then finally, the young adults are going to be going to the Brandon Lake concert, yes, at The Rock, at The Rock Church in San Bernardino, uh, Saturday, October 8th. Oh, it's the San Diego one. Oh, I didn't realize that. Thank you for catching me. It's the San Diego Rock Church, right? Different church. Um, the tickets are $25, and we're trying to get them all together, uh, so the, the deadline to purchase is September 7th. You got questions, go find a young adult. They know more than I do, okay? All right, talk to Alex. He knows that stuff. So anyway, that is for ages 18 to 30. Very good. I think that's all the announcements for now. So who knows what time it is? Yes, it's happy time. Amen. If you need an envelope, raise your hand, and the ushers will gladly get you one. And we are going to open up our Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy 8. And we're going to look at verse 18, Deuteronomy 8:18. Wonderful verse for us uh, regarding our attitude towards our finances. Because we need to realize that the more we get God involved in our finances and in any area of our life, he's going to make some things happen that you could never do on your own. But Deuteronomy James Deuteronomy 8.18, New King James. It says, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get well. And someone would say, hey, I thought it was me that had the power to get well. I thought it was me. I thought it's because I was so strong, because I worked so hard. And praise God, be a hard worker. Yes, be smart, be strong, be all of those good things. But the minute that you forget that it was God who gave you the power to get well, you are in trouble. Pride comes before the fall, right? And so make no mistake that, yeah, it's absolutely important that you're a hard worker and all those wonderful things, but you better remember the Lord your God. It is He who gives you the power to get wealth. And why does He give you the power to get wealth? Here it is, that He may establish His covenant, which He swore to your fathers as it is this day. And so someone would say, well, does God really want me to have wealth? Yes, absolutely. But it's not so you can show it off and be uh, vain and, 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 and just full of yourself. No, he wants the born again Christian to have finances, to have wealth, because we are going to do the right thing with it. Amen. We are going to preach the gospel with it. We're going to invest into the kingdom of God. And that's what it's saying right here. We will establish God's 
covenant. Amen. And as we do that, hey, we're going to have bigger and better harvest fest, right? We're going to reach more broken marriages and put them back together. We're going to help more people be better parents. We're going to do the will of God. Amen. And so, yeah, God wants you to be blessed. God wants you as a Christian in 2022 to have prosperity and wealth in your life. And it's not so you can flaunt it and be, you know, again, vain and and shallow and, and no, no, no. It's so you can help preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. We're going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings. And we got to remember, we do everything, even our giving. So let's speak these words of faith together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go.
shake prison walls I will speak to my fear I will preach to my doubt That you were faithful then You'll be faithful now One last time, let's sing And I know that I know You never fail And yes, I know that I know You never will And I know that I know You never fail Yes, I know that I know You never will Let's just raise our hands and sing this You make mountains move You make giants fall You hear songs of praise To shake prison walls I will speak to my fear I will preach to my doubt That you were faithful then You'll be faithful Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Say thank you, Jesus. You're good. Your mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Lord, say, Lord, I'm going to hear your word tonight. I'm going to receive faith. And I'm going to act on it. And I'm going to receive everything you have for me and my family. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Well, tonight we're going to talk about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. Open up your Bible to Luke chapter 4. And I was thinking, as we were worshiping there, right there at the end, about my life, what I do. For the last 42 and a half years, pretty much, I've done this. I've been been a pastor for 30 years, truck driver a lot of years before that, then sometimes with that, but I've uh, been a believer 42 and a half years and started preaching the first year I saved. So I've been doing this for a long time, teaching the Bible, and I got to thinking about uh, what I'm teaching on tonight is part of the tools of my trade. It's what I do, and I know how to, I know how to function in the kingdom of God. I know how it works. I know how to get things done. And I think about as we worship the Lord, I was thinking about car mechanics. That mechanics know all about cars. They're supposed to. They go for training. They got tools. They know how to diagnose. You bring your car in. You just kind of give them. a you know, just a little bit of what's going on, and they, they check it out so they can heal your car, so to speak. Well, as, as a pastor, as a man of God, I've got tools too. I've got diagnostic tools. I have the Holy Ghost. I've got the Word of God, and I know, I know how to navigate through the spiritual realm to be able to get healing to people, be able to get things into people's lives. I know my tools. I know my trade. And, you know, I think about, think about the carpenters. Carpenters have a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, tools, 
a lot of things they use. They know they ought to work with materials. They ought to put things together. They ought to take things apart and things like that. And they've learned their trade. And so I, I was thinking as I'm going to be teaching on the anointing tonight, I think that most Christians, if they go to a full gospel church anyway, a Holy Ghost church, they hear the word anointing probably pretty frequently. And, you know, it's like me going to, going to a car mechanic and they talk about different car parts and things like that. They use words that I've heard. I have no idea what they're talking about. They look at me and say, so now you can see what it is. This is what we've got to do. And all I can do is stare at them and go, okay. Because I really don't know, but I've heard the terminology. But tonight, I want to take you a little further into the anointing. So it won't be just a word that you hear about. But you'll be able to somewhat uh, maybe be a shade tree mechanic yourself. Amen. By shade tree mechanic... That's the difference between a certified mechanic and a mechanic. We can teach you how to work on things, too, as a part-timer. You're a full-time Christian, but you're a part-time minister, too, because God uses you. Things, things cross your path. And it would really be nice if you know how to use some of the tools that's in the toolbox. You know how to use some things to when people are talking to you, don't just go, Oh, 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 sister, things are bad everywhere. But to be able to actually look at it and say, you know what, I know exactly what your problem is. And I'll show you how to fix it. Can I pray for you? And then be able to listen to the Holy Spirit if he has something else to do besides pray. And if not, at least you'll be able to release anointing into their life. And so Luke chapter 4, we're going to start at uh, verse 18. But I would love... If it wasn't for the fact of the direction I'm heading, I would love to start in chapter 3 when Jesus got filled with the Holy Ghost. And then at the start of chapter 4, when he was led to the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted of the devil, and he passed all the temptations, all the tests, fasted for 40 days. And when he went, in, when he went into the wilderness, he had the Holy Ghost. But then when he came out of the wilderness, he had the power of the Holy Ghost. There's a difference between having the Spirit and the Spirit having you. When you're a Christian that's passed some tests, you'll start having more Holy Ghost-powered anointing, but you've got to pass tests. You've got to pass those tests. Jesus passed every temptation, every test, everything came his way, and then when he came out, he was ready to go. Because up to this point in time, Jesus was just a regular person living through life. He was God, but he'd never been used for anything yet. He just basically was just growing up with his family and he was Jesus, but then when he got filled with the Holy Ghost, everything changed, and he passed the test. So he got out, and he, he goes to preaching in the synagogues, and I want you to notice in verse 18, he's in the synagogue, he got the book, and he opened it up, and he began to read from Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 and 2, that's what he's quoting here in verse 18, and uh, I'll just give you some history on that. Isaiah was written 750 years before the birth of Christ. And so he's starting to read about himself. And they, they, they've read Isaiah. They studied Isaiah. They knew that Messiah was coming. They knew the great prophet was coming. They knew he was coming. So Jesus gets up there for the Holy Ghost. And just like myself right now, I'm in front of people in a congregation. I'm reading the Word of God. And so Jesus reads this. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me. And he's reading out of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to what? To preach the gospel to the poor. He hath anointed me to heal 
the brokenhearted. He hath anointed me to preach deliverance to the captives. He has anointed me to preach recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he says that he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And I see a lot of eyes fastened on me right now. When you're, the, when you're the preacher, you're doing the preaching, everybody's watching you to see what you're going to say next, what you're going to do. And what he said, there's an expression I don't use, but for the sake of what we're looking at, I'll use it. What he said next blew him away. He said, he began to say unto them, verse 21, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And so what Jesus was saying is, I'm the one this is talking about. I am the Messiah. I'm that prophet. Isaiah said there's a day coming or one's going to become that's anointed of the Lord to preach healing, deliverance. And then Jesus said, this day, that's fulfilled. I've shown up now. And that's, that's a pretty powerful thing that he said, and they hated him for that, to say that he was the one God was sending. But uh, Jesus is the one that brought the anointing. And so, verse 18 he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach, to heal, to deliver, to set Satan's captives free. And I want to say, out of all my years of experience, I started preaching in the spring of 1981 in a little church in Gasburg, Indiana. And uh, I can't imagine preaching or praying for hurting people without the Spirit of God on me and his anointing. And I, I just want to say that if this is something that you've never really experienced in your life when you're witnessing somebody or testifying to somebody, the anointing of God, that you haven't really lived a Christian life yet how God wants you to live. How many here have ever been talking to somebody in your job, a family member that's hurting, you're talking to them, all of a sudden you tell something changes. You're talking and all of a sudden you got answers you didn't have. All of a sudden you don't have fear about what they're facing but something happens to you where you feel strong, you've got the answers, you've got boldness, you want to do something to help them, and you know that whatever they're dealing with, it's not impossible because you know how real God is, what Jesus is going to do. You know what just happened when you stepped into the realm of the anointing? The anointing came upon you, and the anointing came on you to heal the brokenhearted. The anointing came on you to set the captives free. The anointing came on you, and you prayed, you knew healing was coming. When you prayed, you knew deliverance was there. And so we've always got to know, though, that with anointing on us even, if the ones we're praying for reject the anointing, it's not your fault, it's not God's fault. People have got to receive from you. Because do you know as you go on through the book of Luke that says that people in his hometown rejected him? They said, well, who is that? Isn't that just old Cindy Grove? She worked at the school down there all those years. Is she married to James? Well, how could Cindy have anything? Cindy's the anointing woman of God. But if people just see old Cindy, there's not much going to happen. It's the same thing for Day-Day. <laughs> if, if, if he's ministering to somebody, they just think, well, who's he think he is? Well, he knows who he thinks he is, but who is he in Christ? And when the Christ part comes showing up, then the anointing of God comes out. And when the anointing of God shows up, people are healed. They are delivered. And I'll tell you what, I, I don't think an addict can get delivered without the anointing. We can preach faith. 
we can preach all we want to to them, but if the anointed God doesn't come down on them, it's really hard for them to make it and get set free. And so I can't imagine preaching or teaching without the anointing. And so I want you to look then at Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. And I want, I want you to keep in mind Isaiah, a lot of it's talking about the church that wasn't here yet. It's talking about the Messiah that wasn't here yet. talks about what's coming. And so Isaiah 10, 27 then, to me, gives the best definition in the whole Bible of what the anointing is. It tells what the anointing is better than I can tell you. I can tell you what it does, but I have to look at the Word of God and tell you what it is. You know, it's just like the... You know, the, the machines at the car places. I can tell you what they do. Man, they got the little thing. They get there, plug it in, and they read the little screen there. They diagnose it. I can't tell you how it does it, but I can tell you what it does. But here he tells Isaiah ten twenty seven says this. And shall come to pass in that day. Well, what day is that? Jesus said this day. This scripture is fulfilled because Isaiah is talking about him. It shall come to pass that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder. How many know that Satan puts burdens on you? He puts heavy loads on you. He depresses you. He defeats you at every chance he gets. And that take away from off thy shoulder at his yoke from off thy neck. How many know that when somebody's addicted to narcotics, to nicotine, to alcohol, to pornography, all kinds of evil things out there. People want to get set free, but there's a yoke on them. they got chains on them. It's called bondage, and they can't get free. And Jesus says, I'll cut it pass in that day that is yoked from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed. Why? Why? Because of the anointing. The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. And so what this verse says to me, the best way I know to say it, is that the anointing is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. The anointing, Jesus said, the Holy Ghost upon me because I had the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God to set the captives free, to heal the brokenhearted, to bring healing to the physical bodies, the anointing of God does that. The anointing of God sets people free. And so we want to understand the anointing more and understand from the Bible how the anointing is released, how to receive, what to do with it. And to me, because I preach it to a church full of believers that most people here are not really brand new Christians, some are a little older than others, that I want to teach people how to be proficient to cooperate with the Holy Ghost to release the anointing of God. And, you know, I'll just, I'll just say this, that we say it all the time, but i got to say it again. The anointing doesn't work by feelings because it's not you anyway. You're just available. You're a vessel. You're a conduit. You know, I think about a conduit, about electricity. We've seen this building tore apart a few times and things put in. We've got a lot of electricity coming through this building right here. I saw them tear this floor a few years ago. We got all kinds of little trap doors under this, around this carpet everywhere. We got lines where going everywhere. And the conduit is not the power. That's just what carries the power. And so you're not the power. Your spirit carries the power of the Holy Ghost through you. And it comes from heaven. And you're plugged in. 
and you're the vessel the power comes through. Amen. And so it has nothing to do with how spiritual you feel. I'll tell you what, uh, you're not going to feel very spiritual if you stay up watching Star Trek till 2 o'clock in the morning or Twilight Zone. But in a case of an emergency, no matter how spiritual you feel, God's going to use you the next day if somebody comes across your path that they need something. You're a whole lot better off if you stay uh, hooked up a little closer to the Twilight Zone. Amen. And you're going to be a little more sensitive if you stay hooked up with the source. You know, I think about our electricity comes to this building. The source is not that telephone pole. The source is Edison. And they send it to us, and we got different things around here help relay it and get it where it's usable in the building. But Edison's the source, and if you don't pay Edison's bill, guess what? The source shuts you off. And so we want to stay connected with Jesus. And Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us, but you can leave him, forsake him. If you leave him, forsake him, you've cut yourself off. He didn't. That's good preaching, Pastor. I thought so, too. That is really good. And so it's the burdening movement, yoke-destroying power of God, and that was, that's what it takes to break the power of Satan over people's lives. You know, I think about, turn to Acts 10.38, but I, I'm just thinking about society today and so much of the modern church that you can't nice it out. When you're dealing with the devil who's got a stronghold in somebody's life, you can't nice it out. We walk in love and we're nice. But when it's a demon, you can't talk it out and you can't, I don't know what to say. All the different things people try to do when they're dealing with the devil in people's lives, all the things you try to do in the flesh, nothing works. You know, you can't you can't point your finger at an alcoholic's face all day long and say, don't you know you're hurting your family? Look what you're doing to your family. Look what you're doing. Look what you're doing. You're destroying it. Don't you know that? On the inside down there, if they're really honest, they say, yes, I do know that. I don't know what to do. I need help. I'm crying out, help me. I don't know what to do. And you can shame, shame, shame them all day long, but somebody that's really embodies to something, that's a living, breathing human being, no matter what kind of spiritual training they've had, if they're alive, down there on the inside, they really know that, man, I'm hurt, I need help. I hate drugs. I hate sexual perversion. I hate, I hate alcohol. I hate what I'm doing. I know I'm destroying myself. I'm destroying my family. What can I do? Well, right here, what we're talking about tonight is, what you can do to help them. And, you know, I'll say this, that when you find a good Holy Ghost anointed church, which this is, what, this is one, when you find one, if you can't do anything else, get them into church. Get them under the corporate anointing. There's three different kinds of anointing. I can't hit bunny trails, but there's three different kinds of anointing the Bible teaches about. you got a personal anointing that First John chapter 2, verse 20, 27 tells you about, and it says it gives you the unction to function. And so you got anointing as a Christian that comes with the new birth as part of it. you got the anointing of God to live a Christian life. And then number two, there's a ministry anointing. Luke, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 talks about we're anointed to preach the gospel, fivefold ministers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We have an anointing. And then there's the corporate anointing that's in a church. In the church, when you bring your anointing in, we got our anointing. We begin to worship God, begin to praise him together there's anointing comes in and that corporate anointing that's when miracles really begin to take place because the power of god's in the house you see what i'm saying and so get those people in so we can help them but luke chapter 10 or acts chapter 10 verse 38 
says how God anointed. Well, we've seen that a few times, haven't we? Isaiah chapter 10, Luke chapter 4, Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Now look at these words. Anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. Anointing, Holy Ghost, power. They're synonymous. They're synonymous. When the anointing and the Holy Ghost show up, the power of God shows up. Amen. I want to say that again. The power of God and the anointing and the Holy Ghost are all one and the same. You get filled with the Holy Ghost, you're filled with the power. And you've got anointing. It says, who went about doing good, and what did he do? Healed all that were oppressed by hard times. Are all that were oppressed by just having bad luck in life. All that were oppressed because of how they were raised. No, oppression comes from the devil. Amen. There's a lot of people that were raised on the wrong side of the tracks, including myself. And praise God, I got born again. I found out there was another side of the tracks. I cross the tracks and bring people out, but I don't live on the other side anymore. Amen. I live on the side where Jesus is, and I go back and bring captives out. I go in and rescue the POWs, and I get them out. Amen. How about you? And get this. It says, he healed all that were pressed to the devil. Why? For God was with him. He had the Holy Ghost. He had the anointing. He had the power. And that's God with him. And so whenever you, you see these words are synonymous... And so when a Holy Ghost preacher shows up, the power of God's present. And when a Holy Ghost believer shows up on the job, the power of God's present. When a Holy Ghost believer shows up at the family reunion, the power of God just showed up. I tell you what, I used to love those little one-on-ones at family reunions my family used to have. I loved the one-on-ones of my job because I knew on my job... I was doing what my pastor was doing up here. I was doing it on my job just to a smaller audience, doing the same thing, because I had the same Holy Ghost my pastor had. I had the same Holy Ghost that Jesus had. I had the same power. There's not two Holy Ghost. It's the same Holy Ghost. They're not different powers of God. It's the same power. It's the same thing. But we've got to know about things. We can't be ignorant about what we've got and what Jesus did and how he operated. And so uh, Luke chapter 13 is a good place to look at. So Jesus, what about doing good, healing all the press of the devil? He did good outside the church, and he did good inside the church. At Luke chapter 13, I like to look at this particular story right here. In Luke chapter 13, verse 10, Jesus is in a service just like this. Got people, got people out there, People just like us. You know, this may have been thousands of years ago, but people's people. Hurting's hurting. Life's life. Jesus is Jesus. The devil's the devil. And then in between, we've got human beings. And we got human beings today that'll be filled with the Holy Ghost, have the power of God, know what to do with it. And you got other people cross their paths that need, need it. And if you don't know how to use it, you can't help them. And so in this service Jesus is in, it says, verse 10, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And that's what I'm doing tonight. I'm teaching in one of his churches on Sunday. And so then notice verse 11. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity. 
That means a demon, a demon of infirmity, 18 years. She was bowed together and could no wise lift up herself. And so here's a woman had an evil spirit that had her bent over captive by something very serious, must have been arthritis or something like that, for 18 years. Out of 18 years, how many times do you think the people felt so bad for her? They did. They saw her feel so, oh, we just feel so par- sorry for that woman. Feeling sorry doesn't cast out demons. Feeling sorry doesn't bring healing. And uh, just, just a footnote that uh, I've learned out of lots of years of ministry and healing is this. Every sickness is not a demon, but some sicknesses are. Uh, so in other, other words, you can't have one tool that fits all out of your toolbox. You can't just have a pair of pliers that'll fix everything. You've got to have different tools. And then you've got to know when to use the tools. And that comes by being sensitive to the Holy Spirit in you. How many have ever known in their hearts on the inside when God wants you to do something? You know, it may be a special offering, something going on, you wasn't planning on it, but all of a sudden you just know in your heart, the Lord wants me to double what I was going to give. I just know it. Or it might be you're in a church and you're seeing people and think, well, I need to take them out to lunch today. If they'll go to lunch, I want to buy their lunch. Or it might be something else going on in your job where the Lord wants you to just go over and tell somebody you've never been friendly with, just go up there and say, hey, I want to tell you something. I've been praying for you. And Jesus wants you to know he loves you. You know Jesus wants you to do things. Well, that same still small voice in your heart when you're going to deal with somebody who has a sickness will show you what to do. And if it's a sickness, he may have you lay hands on them if they'll let you pray for them. But if it's a demon, you can lay hands on somebody with spirit infirmity for 18 years and the demon's going to stay. They don't need healing, they need delivered. I'll give you a good example. One time in Noblesville, Indiana, uh, Mrs. Pastor and I were up there at the Pioneer Church in Noblesville, and we were going door to door every day, every day, every day. We'd get prayed up the morning time, and we'd ask the Lord where he wanted us to go that day. We'd work neighborhoods. We'd walk up and knock on people's door, and the Lord said, when they, when they answered the door, tell them that you're serving Jesus as there any sick among you. So every time we'd knock on the door, we'd tell them we were serving Jesus, and was there anybody that needed prayed for well, I remember one day we knocked on this lady's house as she was an apostolic Pentecostal lady that was sick. She'd had a stroke. She was paralyzed. She was blind in one eye. And she was just stuck in her house. And it had been that way for a while. And she said, oh, I've been praying God would send somebody. Said my church has forgot me. I've been like this for a while. They used to visit me when I first got sick. And they haven't been. I've been praying God would send somebody. They said, well, he sent us all right. Here we are. We prayed before we got here. And so then the woman was paralyzed on one side. She was blind in one eye. And I said, could I pray for you? So I went to do what Christians always do. I went to do that. The Lord says, stop, don't touch her. She's got a spirit of infirmity. I said, oh, okay. So I remember this lesson right here in Luke 13. I just stopped. I pointed my finger at her. I said, you spirit of infirmity, you loose her, let her go down. Get out of here in Jesus' name. As soon as I said that, she started crying and started tingling and her arms started shaking. And she started moving. She said, oh, oh, oh. And she said, I can see, I can see. Well, see, because of looking to the Spirit of God in me, that case there was a demon. And so we took care of that. 
had the woman, the woman could see. She started getting mobility. Things started happening. Things started changing. And uh, I think of another time. I was ministering to a man in a home, going door to door, ministering to a man in a home. He'd had a stroke. He was sitting in a chair, and his body was swelled up real big on one side of his body. And I asked him if I could pray for him. He let me pray for him. When I prayed for him, <laughs> it was so strange. His feet was propped up in his chair because he sat there as an old guy, and he couldn't do much because he was, had that stroke. And when I prayed for him, all of a sudden his shoe fell off. And he, swell, he swelled up so big that one side of his body and his foot was a lot bigger than the other side. His shoe fell off. And then he, somebody, his wife, or I can't remember who's in there, some woman, he said, go get that new pair of shoes I've been wanting to wear all these years. Went over there on a shelf, pulled off a dusty old shoe box, and pulled out a pair of shoes and put these shoes on. That guy was so smiley because that shoe he'd always wanted to wear, he put on his foot now. But what I said, the story was this. That guy needed healing, not a demon cast out. Same thing. He'd had a stroke, but this was called by just natural things, just part of the curse. It'd come on him. And so it's not just, it's not just being a Christian that prays. It's a Christian being full of the Holy Ghost with the power of God and knowing what particular tools needed at the time for what they need. And then I think about another one time. I, I, I don't really know exactly or recall how this story turned out, but we went to another house, and there was a woman that was blind. And so we went in there to pray for this lady, and is that, wasn't that what it was? She was blind. We had so many blind people healed. It's not even, it's just, man, i tell you what, so many blind people we saw healed. Went into that house there, and she's going to pray for this lady, because, you know, we knocked on the doors, any sick among you, it was her. And so talking to her, Mrs. Pastor wanted to go to pray for her, and then she stopped because the Holy Ghost in her told her to tell her, you got a blockage to healing because you've got unforgiveness. And when she told her she had unforgiveness, the woman started crying. And she said, I'm a Christian. We said, I really, really, really have tried to forgive, but I just can't. Said, my daughter-in-law murdered my son. And said, I've not been able to forgive her. And so then she led her in a prayer and said, can you forgive by faith then? Jesus is in you. Jesus forgave her, if she asked, but can you forgive her with Jesus' help? Can you by faith say these words? So she led her in a prayer to forgive her daughter-in-law for what she did because just like Jesus said on the cross, said forgive them because they were murdering him. But they know not what they do. And so I don't know if we went back what the story was on that, but I'm sure the woman received what she had. So what I'm saying is this. When we've got the Holy Spirit, we're accountable to know how to use the anointing. And we need to know the Holy Ghost and not, not just be carnal Christians. They're in a rut where it's the same thing every time. Pray for somebody, just lay hands on, pray and walk away. Let the Holy Ghost be involved with what's going on. Let him show you, do they, do they need prayer? Do they need deliverance? Does God want to use a word of knowledge through you like he did her? That's called a word of knowledge when he gave her a knowledge of something going on she didn't know about. And so she didn't know about that, but God did, and God wanted that woman free. Amen. Amen. And so anyway, let's look at this, look at this now and continue on. And so Luke 13, it says she had this spirit of infirmity for 18 years. As she was bent over. Has anybody ever seen anybody like that bent over and walking real crooked like that? It might be a spirit of infirmity or it might just be arth arthritis or something else. But the fact, that, the fact is, 
Jesus is the answer. And you are a born-again believer, got the Holy Ghost, have the power of God, have the anointing of God, and when you show up, Jesus showed up. And just let Jesus do what he's always done. Just be ready and know how to flow with it. And so then notice in verse 12, and when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. That, that, that's just like in a church like ours, a lot of times we'll be doing what we're doing, worshiping and things like that. And then I'll say, Dave, come here for a minute. I, I got something for you. Because the Holy Ghost showed me something to help somebody with. Or it might be a lot of times at a church like ours, we'll have a word that, you know, there's somebody or several somebodies you really been having stomach trouble and God wants to heal you this morning. Or some, you know, it, it just amazed me some of the things he's had me call out, how just all of a sudden 15, 20 people come up and say, man, somebody is really having a toothache problem. I don't know. It seems like it might be more than one person. Somebody's really having a teeth problem. If that's you come up with the anointed God, so he wants to heal you. And all of a sudden, all across the front bed, people everywhere. But that's what Jesus did. Jesus saw this woman and he called her out. And notice this is what he said. He called him, he said, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. In other words, he said, Satan, let her go. You're loosed. And then notice this. He laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And I thought about that verse years ago. I used to read that all the time. And I always thought, wait a minute. If she's loosed, then how could he laid hands on her? Well, the Lord showed me it was just so simple. It would, the problem was the devil was the one spirit of infirmity made her that way. But for 18 years, walking like this, her body got fixed, put in a fixed position because of all the calcium buildups or whatever, muscles and everything like that, uh, tendons locked up and nothing moving. And the anointing is the burden removing, yoke destroying, power of God. And Jesus told us to lay hands on the sick because he laid hands on the sick. Amen. He did it first and then told us to do it. So when Jesus, with the Spirit of the Lord upon him, has anointed me to heal the sick, he took care of the root, got rid of the demon, spirit of infirmity. Then she needed that healing anointing like a medicine, that anointing oil went down through her flesh and it loosed those bones, it loosed those muscles. Because it didn't say she immediately should have made straight until he laid hands on her. Then when he laid hands on her, the anointing came through there and it changed everything. I'll tell you some of the most amazing things to me that I've seen is when people that have been crippled up or different things happen when I touched them and they immediately changed. I think about a couple of cases out of the church. A couple of cases, the back cases, as a matter of fact, of this church here in California. Had a guy here one time that was in his 50s and he'd had, he'd had severe, severe, severe back things for like 30 years. And out of those 30 years, he'd been to doctors, he'd got medications, and he told me personally that he'd not had one day without pain in 30 years from those back things. He couldn't hardly do anything because his back was so messed up. And I preached on healing like I'm doing right now. I preached on it. The guy sat there for a few months, and one day he came up here in line, and I, I said, yeah, what do you need? He said, I'm ready. I said, what are you ready for? He said, I'm ready for my back to be healed. I said, well, let me ask you something then. I said, you've heard what I preached about the anointing. You've heard testimonies I've given. You've seen it in the Bible. Let me ask you something. When I pray for you, 
when are you going to receive your healing? He said, right now, as soon as you touch me, I'm healed. I touched him, and whoop, man, straightened up, he was healed. And so that anyway, he, he was here for years and years, then he moved on down the road. But the thing was, several years later, on a Sunday morning, I was teaching on healing, teaching on the anointing, and I gave that example of this man, what he'd received, and we had a family in the church. They're still in the church, been here a lot longer than I have. The Copey family. Probably a lot of you know the Copies. Well, their son Jeff at the time, I think he was like 28 or 29 years old. Robert, you guys were in the service that morning. Sydney, you were probably in the service that morning. They were all sitting right over there. And I taught that. And Jeff came up here. I said, yeah. I said, what do, what do you want, Jeff? He said, I've had curvature of the spine since I was born. He said, I've never touched my toes in my whole life. He said, I've never touched my toes in my whole life. He said, I've never touched my toes in my whole life. Well, when you've got the Holy Ghost anointing and power and you walk with Jesus, you're not afraid to be bold. And so I said, well, what do you want then, Jeff? He said, I want you to pray for me like you prayed for him and I'll receive my healing. I said, when will you receive your healing, Jeff? He said, right now. You touch me, I'm healed. And so I put my hands on him. I prayed, and then as soon as I said amen, I said, touch your toes. He bent over and touched his toes. And I looked out, out there at his family, his dad, his mom, his brothers. They were all standing there, just tears everywhere. For the first time in his whole life, he touched his toes. And why was that? It's because the Holy Ghost and the anointing of God was here, and we had a receiving vessel that received the power of God, and he wanted that. Well, a year later, a year later, he gave me another testimony. He said, this is so strange. that every year, they're a big family like mine. They might have as many kids as we got. I don't know. We got eight kids and all kinds of grandkids and stuff like that. So anyway, he said, they all get together for Christmas. And every year, they've got a thing that's been since they've been young. They all stand up against the wall, got their own marks on the family wall at dad and mom's house. They all measure each other. And said when Jeff got measured, he pretty much already quit doing his growing at that age. When he got measured, he was, it seemed like an inch and a half or two inches taller. And everybody said, oh, that can't be. Said, said, how could Jeff grow? Then they realized his back had straightened up a year before. And when it straightened up, he got taller. Hey, Amen. Somebody give the Lord praise. Amen. Amen. And so I want you to see this now. I want you to keep on looking at these verses right here. And so this woman immediately got straight and glorified God. Man, everybody should be happy about that, especially church people, preachers. But look at this. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said to the people, there are six days which men ought to work, and them therefore come and be healed, but not on the Sabbath. And the Lord then answered him and said, you hypocrite. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to, stop, to watering? And so I want to say that religious people are still the same today as they were back then. Uh, just like uh, preachers of full gospel church today led by the Holy Spirit get people healed, get people healed today, and religious people are still the same. They still get mad today because they don't do what we do. And so religious people can keep their religion if they want to, 
that Holy Ghost Jesus people will keep on getting people healed. That's just the way it works. They get mad. And so when things like this happen, they don't know what to do with it because it don't happen in their churches. You know, I remember, <laughs> I remember back in Indiana in the Ministerial Association, there's, there's a lot of different churches, Holy Ghost churches and denominational churches. Of people there. I remember this one guy, he was, oh, back then I was in my 40s. He was, he was an old man. He was probably around 50. But, but uh, that quit being old. But I remember we'd be at the ministerial associations, and they were a religious domination. I remember several times we'd be sitting there, and they'd have the stuff going on, all the preachers talking. And he'd get over next to me and say, Bernie? i say, yeah, how what? He said, I hear they got spontaneous worship in your church. Is that really true? Because they did hymnals there. They just had the little book they read through and stuff like that. I never heard spontaneous worship. And I thought, well, he must be talking about Holy Ghost services. I said, yeah, yeah, that's what we do. You know, we, we sing it. The Holy Ghost wants to change the order of service. We change it. We start singing what he wants to sing, do what he wants to do. And then I remember sitting there at the time. He said, hey, Bernie. I said, yeah, I'll what? I hear they fall out over there. And I knew he was talking about slate of the Spirit. I said, yeah. And so there's a hunger in a lot of places, but they don't know what to do with it. And so these religious people got mad at Jesus. Why did they get mad? Because the woman got healed. If she got healed on death, it wasn't the Sabbath. That it got mad about that. I've been about religious preachers that judged my church because we didn't baptize like they baptized. They didn't like the way we baptized. They didn't like the way we do offerings. They didn't like a lot of stuff, but the whole thing is we as Christians have to realize we can't get offended about what other people think about us. Jesus is not going to judge us so much about thinking of those things as his results. And that's the whole thing that I base my ministry upon is results. I want to get results. And if results aren't happening, then somewhere, somehow, we've disconnected from the Holy Ghost. Because we got the Holy Ghost and the anointing and the power in our church, we're going to get results. People's lives are going to get changed. Amen? Amen. And so anyway, you get down then to the end of this here. Verse 16. Now there's three key things I want you to see here that will wrap up everything that I've taught you about the anointing tonight. Number one, he says, And ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham? He was talking to Jewish people so they knew he was talking covenant. And the, the Jews today, they know they've got a covenant because of Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant. And so he said, ought, this, ought not this woman be the daughter of Abraham? Jesus, you might want to write this down. Jesus was always covenant-minded. Covenant-minded. And today, Jesus is new covenant-minded. He's new covenant-minded. And so... When you come to Jesus, you come upon the basis of the covenant. That's why we say, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And there's a a, a saying that I say all the time. I'm going to say it again. If you're a born-again Christian, Jesus Christ is your Lord. Quit praying, dear God. Sinners pray, dear God, because they don't know Jesus. Jesus said, If you ask the Father anything in my name, he'll give it to you. If you ask the Father in my name, he will do it. Everything Jesus had to do under the new covenant is come to the Father in my name. Amen. I want to say it one more time. 
He may be God to the world, but he's father to me. He's my father. He's my father because of Jesus. And so every prayer I pray is, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. When I'm, gone, when I'm finished praying, Father, thank you in the name of Jesus. Why is that? Because Jesus is covenant-minded. The Father's covenant-minded. And he didn't say this woman ought to be healed because she's, she's a human being. He said she ought to be healed because she's a daughter of Abraham. You ought to be healed because you're boarding in Christian. I'm going to say that again. You ought to be healed because it's in the covenant. By his stripes, you were healed. You ought to be healed. Lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus. And Jesus confirms his word. You ought to be healed because of covenant. You come to the Father not because of how good you are, not because of how big your tithe is, not because of how much you love people. You come to the Father in the name of Jesus because you're his son, you're his daughter. He's covenant-minded. So Jesus said, Oh, not this woman being a daughter of Abraham. And so that's the number one thing. And it says, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years. And so Satan was the one that held her captive with the spirit of Fermi 18 years. Jesus recognized who she was. She is a covenant daughter. Number two, he recognized where the sickness came from, come from the enemy, come from the devil. He said Satan's the one that bound her 18 years. And then uh, the third thing is, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day. And so Jesus said she ought to be released from the bondage. Now get this. He called sickness and disease bondage. He called it bondage. What's bondage? You're a slave. How many, no people, maybe yourself at times in life, maybe right now, you're in bondage to something that has invisible chains on you in the health arena. You can't really go where you want to go, do what you want to do, because you've got chains on you. Jesus said Satan has her bound. Satan has her bound. He said because of the covenant, she ought to be loosed. She's God's daughter. She ought to be loosed because of the covenant. And so I want to say it one more time. Jesus started off in Luke 4 saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to heal. He's anointed me to set the captives free. He's anointed me to deliver, to heal, to set free. I want to close with John chapter 14, verse 12. John chapter 14, verse 12. Is this helping anybody's faith? Amen. Yeah, I want, I want to tell you, 1 John 4, 4 is not just something nice to quote. It's the Bible, Josh. Get ready to make it. 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Say that. Say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Say, the Holy Ghost and power and anointing are in me. Greater is the Holy Ghost. Greater is the power of God. Greater is the anointing of God than anything the devil has to offer. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, John chapter 14. Now, I want to show you how to read this verse to really get something happening in your life today. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me. In my Bible, I circled the he that believeth on me, and I wrote right beside that, 
This means me. He's talking about me. Why is this talking about me? Because that he that believeth in Jesus. How many here believeth in Jesus? Okay, you ought, you ought to circle that and you ought to write that Jesus is talking about me. He's getting ready to say something to me. You know, a lot of times when Jesus was talking, he was talking to the Jews for things going on there or talking about religious people and things like that. But then sometimes he's talking to anybody that'll receive. He said, he that believeth on me. Now look at this. I'm sure glad we don't have any religious people in here tonight. You want to take me out of the temple and stone me? He said, the works that I do shall he do also. The works that I do shall he do also. Remember Acts 10, 38? Jesus went about doing good. Was the good? He'll eat all of the oppressed of the devil. The works that Jesus did, he said, will we do also. Who's that? He, he that believeth on me. Get over the feeling of inadequacy. However you pronounce that, being inadequate. Get over feeling weak. Get over feeling helpless that you're a nobody because you're absolutely right you are nobody i'm a nobody but the one that lives in me is a somebody the one that lives in me is greater and the one that lives in me told me what he did i would do also i want to say that one more time this is for you this is for me the one that lives in me, the one that lives in you, said the works that he did would you do also. I have never been afraid to pray for a blind person. I remember one time I was in the federal building. We're closing, but you got to get this. There's people all around us today that are so messed up and sick and diseased and have demons totally destroyed their lives that we've got what it takes to help them. That's not going to help happen unless we do it. I was, I was on a federal jury in Indiana. And the lobby is real crowded every morning. I was walking through the lobby and I was, I can't remember what it was. Oh yeah, I was just trying to get through the crowd to the elevator. And there's this, this woman in there and she just kind of by the wall, just kind of like that. And when I saw her, uh, she said, hey, excuse me, sir. And I said, yes, what? She said, can you tell me where lost and found is? Well, I looked over, I had to look up on the wall, and you know those little boxes with the glass on them, got the little white letters of the black thing? I said, well, there, there's, that'll tell you right there. And she said, I'm blind, I can't see. And when she said that, uh, honestly, here's what I did. I went, oh boy. <laughs> I really did. I went, oh boy, thank you, Jesus. I think that's the first blind person I ever prayed for. And so... <laughs> I laid hands on that little lady, and I all 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 I did was imitate my pastor and preachers I'd see because that's how you start. You see a mechanic working on a car, you see how they take that part off. You don't take it off. You see somebody doing something, and once you see them to do it, you can do what they did. And so I'd watch the preachers, I watched my pastor, and I was always told what I'm telling you: if Jesus did it, you could do it because He said you could. And so that's my first case. And so I laid hands on this lady, and man, as soon as I did that man she started crying she looked up and said, oh i can see i can see and man i'll tell you all i did just thought man another day of the kingdom of god i gotta get up to jury duty so i got up there and just did what i've been doing every day in the jury room we couldn't talk about the trial and so we had to talk about other things and so i preached to them all so i got up there and as every other day 
The guys got on one side of the room, got away from me, and all the women gathered over here. And the Methodist lady stood up and held her hands up. I laid hands on her, started speaking in tongues. And she did. Boy, the guys went nuts. Did not want, oh well. Anyway, the works that I should do also greater works shall I do because I go to my Father. And so the whole thing is, Jesus went to the Father, sent the Holy Ghost down, and now we have the Holy Ghost, we have power, and the anointing of God in you will do anything that it did through Jesus. Anything it did through the apostles. And so just let people know when you're talking to the troubled people, the hurting people, the sick people, that, hey, you know what? I can't do anything, but Jesus lives in me and he can do everything. And so they said, what is it? Uh, you got infection in your finger, he'll heal it. What is it? Cancer, he'll heal it. Had a stroke, he'll heal it. You're deaf in one ear, he'll heal it. Your child's got what? Can I come and see him? That's what I always did. I found out they had sick kids, sick parents, whatever it was. I always asked, can I come and pray? And you know what? Got results all the time, all the time, all the time. Well, let's stand up. Amen, amen, amen. And so you, you, know, you know more about the anointing now, I hope, than you did know. How many know more about the anointing now? Learned a little bit. All right. Well, Josh is going to lead us in worship. And, uh, you know, Jesus lives in me and he lives in you. I know that. But if you've got something that you need the anointing on, faith comes by here and here by the word of God. There's a level of faith built up in this atmosphere here, this corporate anointing as we worship Jesus. If there's something, no matter how many times you've been prayed for or how tough's been going on, if you will come up, I will believe that the anointing God through me, the anointing God that's in this place here, will do something to set you free from whatever it is. Amen? Because greater works than, we shall, than he did shall we do even because he goes to the Father. Well, we're ready. Let's worship God. If you need it, come and get it. Mr. Pastor, Dave, come on up. Pastor Dave. You make mountains move, you make giants fall, you use songs of praise to shake prison walls. I will speak to my fear, I will preach to my doubt, that you were faithful then, you'll be faithful now. Cause you make mountains move, you make giants fall, you use songs of praise to shake prison walls. I will speak to my fear, I will preach to my doubt, you were faithful then, you'll be faithful
believe it. I will believe it. Cause you make mountains move. You make giants fall. You use songs of praise to shake prison walls. I will speak to my fear. I will preach to my doubt. You were faithful then, you'll be faithful now. Yes, you were faithful then, you'll be faithful now. And I know that I know you never fail. Oh, yes, I know that I know you never will. And I know that.
ever fail. Oh, yes, I know that I know you never will. Because you make mountains move. You make giants fall. You use songs of praise to shake prison walls. I will speak to my fear. I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then. You'll be faithful now. Yes, you were faithful then. You'll be faithful now. had a good day in the house of the Lord today, haven't we? Praise God. Amen. Some awesome, uh, awesome teaching tonight. I hope you wrote down all those verses. Uh, there's a lot there for us to keep studying and digging into further. Amen. I absolutely love it. All right. Well, praise God. We will close things out, but I really encourage you to make sure you stay in the loop. We've got so much stuff coming up over the next couple of months, really, as we're getting into the holidays and all that fun stuff. Uh, follow on social media. That's a great way to make sure you don't miss anything that's going on. Praise God. Let's go ahead and pray, and we will speak some words of faith over Barstow tonight. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in your word tonight. And, Lord, we know that your anointing is real and your anointing is available to us, Father. And so we trust you and we're going to walk in that anointing, Lord. And we thank you, Jesus. We're going to see some burdens removed, some mountains fall in our lives in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, we know that it's all for your glory. We love you and we praise you. And use us this week to do your work. We praise you and we love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. All right. Let's speak some faith over Barstow tonight. Let's do it. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love joy and peace barstow is full of the glory of god barstow is coming to jesus barstow is saved in jesus name amen we'll see you wednesday